0: to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Q&As with me and I am absolutely thrilled to be joined this morning with Charlotte. Good morning, Charlotte. Morning. Charlotte has a wonderful uh, name, which we'll find out more about later on, which is the stable manager and uh, and Charlotte's really passionate about this idea of support and why support's really important with people and teams in sport and particularly in horse riding as well. So Charlotte, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that means that you've come on to have a chat with me about this topic today.
1: Uh, well, I suppose first off, um, is that I'm old and knackered now but I was once uh, a a sports person. I was a rower um, at a a pretty high level Um, back in my 20s. I had to retire unfortunately because I hurt my back quite badly. Um, At that time I didn't know that it was the start of something that was to come back and bug me probably for the rest of my life. but I'm also a teacher and uh, I studied uh, at a university, biology, veterinary science. And um, so I now teach biology in a school, hopefully bringing on all the new vets and doctors for the future. Uh, and don't we need those now? Um, and as a sort of sideline, really, I coach riding because that's what I love. I've always been involved with horses all my life. Um, and actually, I really love coaching. Uh, and there's that bizarre thing about horses that they can um, foster development in a, and progression in a really amazing sport. I mean, a truly equal sport, which offers parity for both men and women, um, which is very unusual in sport, uh, certainly at a professional level um, nowadays. Uh, but also horses are such amazing, um, uh, they look after us. They reflect back exactly what we're like. So if you're open to what they are telling you, Um, you can get a very good uh, self-reflection of how you are. And for some people, that's really quite liberating and extremely helpful, particularly if their mental health um, is not as good as it could be. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Amazing. Tell us a little bit about your name, the stable manager. How did that come about? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I've had some really interesting things because obviously my kit has the stable manager embroidered on it. So I've had people coming up to me at shows saying, you know, can you point me the way to the stable block and all that sort of stuff. But actually, the reason I'm the stable manager and the joke is, is that because I've got this arthritis, I am literally physically pretty unstable. (laughs) So the stable manager was always just a bit of a joke to say (laughs) that I'm really not very stable at all. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I do love that and, but it works it works beautifully and and certainly in my what you know we met during the Wobbleberry Challenge when it first came about um, and the way I've seen you support people over the years then then actually you you've clearly got stability in your instability as well and, and <laughs> people. So it's great okay so this topic then of you know how we need to support each other is, is really really key at the moment because with everything going on and and actually even not necessarily at the moment you know it's something that has been really really close to my heart since you know a few years ago when I don't know if you've seen that Jake Tarrant and I um, came up with the concept of buddy don't bully um, little Bentley ventings Jake and um, he's one of my sponsored riders and and we've been kind of pushing this concept of help help each other support each other we'll all rise up so that all ships rise on a rising tide rather than this bitching backstabbing horrible belittling toxic horrible nasty viciousness that does exist in life everywhere but is particularly prevalent in sports and particularly prevalent in y- yards stables you know these kind of environments for lots of, of reasons and and at the moment is is something really like is affecting lots of people in, in lots of ways so Tell us a little bit more about your kind of background with it or any stories that you've got that bring it to your heart as well.
1: Well, I mean, I I think the first thing is, is that in my mind, there are there are really two sorts of support, um, support for sport. So as I touched on earlier, um, uh, horses offer us an opportunity to achieve in sport, but they also offer us an, an amazing opportunity to relax, to reground ourselves, to get away from the rush of, of you know, whatever your job is, whatever we do, um, uh, and I. But I think that the other thing is, is that um, they themselves are, as I've mentioned earlier, I think um, they're more about uh, reflecting what we're like. It's very difficult and takes quite a lot of skill and practice to a team with a horse so our Olympic riders or our, our, our professionals who are performing at a very high level uh, are literally forming a team with that horse in order to be able to perform at the at even any level really uh, we all know what it's like if you get on a horse and it's not being particularly cooperative um, their horses are you know sentient beings they have opinions some of them Welsh dees probably have quite a lot more opinions on things than than other horses. Um, but uh, we need to kind of bring them along with us. And what tends to happen I think uh, particularly in a yard situation is is that uh, we often find that we've got a limited amount of time down at the yard. Uh, we might have um, a limited uh, financial setup, um, we might do things in a way that's very different to somebody else's way, um, uh, and there, there, there are not really rights and wrongs. I mean, you know, obviously horse welfare is very important, but for the most part, we're all kind of muddling along as best we can. Um, But actually quite a lot of horse people are quite opinionated. Um, And it's quite difficult then to set up, I think, a dialogue um, because we're not open enough to each other's opinions to have a discussion. And what that tends to mean, particularly with the advent of um, social media and, and actually the mainstream media, where criticizing or passing comment on something has become um commonplace really and we forget that actually the that old adage of if you can't say something kind don't say anything at all is by far the best way to live really um because actually we can really cause not just offense but we can cause g- uh, genuine hurt because If you're criticising somebody behind their back, particularly, um, you can't have a dialogue uh, because that person might well actually be wanting some help, wanting some support. Um, But if you're criticising them or somebody is criticising them, the natural human way is to just completely fold in on yourself. Um, And so where a situation could have been um, actually, really helpful for everybody, and to bring everybody on um, uh, uh, to progress and become, uh, you know, be positive for everybody and the horse. Um, we tend to find that people just go back into themselves, and they and they tend to just give up, really, or become. They feel that they are ostracized or alone from the group, and that's really not what I'm about. Um, so I tend to be very careful about. Preaching, apart from obviously I'm preaching now, (laughs) Um, but uh, I tend to be very careful about preaching about what people should be doing with their horses. Oh, you should be doing this. So you should be progressing faster. Why haven't you done this? I think you need to buy the most expensive saddle. You know, you need to have this done and that done. What about this sort of food? You know, my questions are literally, have you considered? What have have you tried? Um, Would you be open to Um, And I think that's really important because I think if people feel that they can ask you for some help, um, actually, it works both ways. Um, If I'm out coaching and I can spot something and we come to an agreement about a way that we're going to try and it works out better with the horse and the rider, then maybe I'll stall that away and I might use that for myself later on. So, yeah, I think uh, that sort of thing is really important. And plus, having been a teacher for 27 years now, um, bullying is increasingly difficult to deal with um, because social media, a lot of it is unseen. uh, A lot of it is unrecorded. um, And also, we have all this bit uh, business about recording, only ever recording our successes um and uh so we po- post a picture on facebook or instagram or whatever it is of us you know plastered in rosettes or having a wonderful time um and uh i think uh it's really important to understand that there is nobody who is successful 100 percent of the time um, and that is exactly why we have to have uh Uh, psychologists and uh, people to help us just like you, Jenny.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh, absolutely brilliant. And I think that's covered so, so many areas of why um, the bigger picture is that um, support can very much be there, but also cannot. And also why yards just seem to be this rife place for this stuff going on. Um, and, And it's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, most horse riders that are on yards are leisure riders they are not they do not have to make money from this they do not have to perform they do not have to sell horses on or do anything they just need to enjoy themselves and yet this is breeding ground (laughs) and it's it's kind of prevalent in lots of sports but obviously you know close to my heart and close to the, the the people that are watching this and listening in it, it is very rife in in yards and in places like that for exactly the reasons that you said which is it would be so much easier if there was one way to do things because we'd all yeah. just There'd be far less disagreement and also <laughs> it's not even that there's one way to do it it's for that horse there's one way but for that horse there's that way and so it's not even that that's the right or wrong thing generally it's it's different for each horse as well you know um so one of the things i wanted to ask you is, you said i feel like there's two types of support what would you say those two types of support? Are?
1: So um, I think there is the the, the practical support. I mean, when, you are, when I think of the team, I have uh, my big horse. I no longer compete him, but uh, he has been out competing with um, a younger girl who's done a fantastic job. Um, but in order to get them to the start box on cross-country day, um they need a whole raft of people in their support team um they need a farrier vet even if you're lucky (laughs) i mean when does this ever happen but even if you're lucky and you only need the vet to do the vaccinations um, you know, we're going to need somebody to make sure that the horses are fed. We have a fantastic feed merchant where we can always get the stuff that, that we need. Um, I uh, regularly am in touch with um, lots of my science bodies back from my university days. So we're gathering information. And, and in a sense, that's a, um, a, a a support part of our support team, too. I mean, just you name it, the chiropractor who fixes the horse's back, the chiropractor who does my back so that I can keep going, Um, grooms, lorry drivers, the guy who does the lorry plating, everything, that is the practical support team. And actually, if the saddle fitters, everybody. Um, And we all really realise, I think most of us, uh, particularly on the leisure scene, um, if we can call it that, uh, we often feel, forget that those people are actually part of our support team. And we actually sometimes make their jobs harder than they need to be because um, we don't set up the dialogue with them um, over the longer term. So obviously when you first get a horse, you don't know the first thing about the horse probably, you've, you've ridden it when you've tried it, you might have gone with a, an instructor or a friend to have a look at it and then you will have got a vet um, who you may not know, and I mean the vet personally, to vet them. Um, and we forget that that is part part of all the information that is going to allow us to make the most of the relationship and the performance with the horse. Um, so for instance, you know, you, when you first get a new horse or regularly, we have our horses' saddles checked twice a year. Uh, when they're coming into winter, when they're just about coming up uh, for their rest time, they, they all get about two months off. Um, and we let them just blob about and not do very much we have some horses that are absolutely rubbish if you just log them out in the field because they just pretty much go into a depression like who's just ignoring me and sticking me out in this field and I hate it it's horrible but it's somebody pay me some attention whereas the 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 sort of um, more characterful ones um, who who are, are a bit more feral uh, quite like having their holiday um, out for two months and they're quite r- we're glad to get rid of the humans for a bit and and just chill, um, but we need to take that information that we've gathered um, about the practical help. So making sure that we get the saddle fitter. And if I have somebody who comes to me for coaching, often they come to me because. I can't do this. I can't make my horse do this. I'm really struggling with dressage. Um, I'm really struggling with jumping something or other. I can never make the distance. I can't ride a good line down a line of fences. I really struggle with the cross-country or what it is. And the first, certainly the first session, and often um, a good part of subsequent sessions, is actually uh, taken up by me just trying to pick apart what things they've actually addressed when they last had the vet out what was it for when they had the saddle fitter out what have they what work have they been doing with the horse um at what sort of level were they at when they were at their their peak performance or whatever it is so those practical things Um, are things that I think are really important in your your support team. So making sure that you've kind of got your your practical list. I mean, to to make a rowing analogy, you've got to have a boat that doesn't have a hole in it. You've got to have riggers. You've got to have uh, a set of oars that fit. You've got to have the right kit to row in. You've got to have eaten the right meals to make sure that you've got the energy to actually perform. Um, And you've got to have a coach who's going to go out and actually coach you to ensure that you're going to be better. Um, than you were yesterday actually not um uh better as in world medal winning um and and in that sense that practical team the practical support team um is no different really in the equestrian world than it is in any other sporting world um uh, and it's actually that it's the same team that will allow you to enjoy your horse uh for in uh for hacking or anything else that you want to do, even if it's not competitive sport. But the other sort of support team is more difficult. First of all, it's really difficult to acquire. And secondly, uh, it's difficult to acquire because we don't always recognise that sort of support team that we all need. So we need, um, humans need uh interaction with other people we are social beings even somebody like me who's actually quite an introvert I have to put my apparently according to all the um uh things the surveys that I've done quite interesting by the way if you've got a chance to do them um uh and uh, uh but I put on my teacher persona um and I find it quite intellectually um, stimulating to do, to do that sort of thing, but the kind of support network that means that when you get down to the yard, um, you know that you, you are comfortable in that environment. That's part of the support network. Good friends, good family, um, knowing where to go. It's that sort of intangible emotional support that allows us to be our best selves really um uh some of it is to do with confidence so supporting somebody and this of course is what teaching children at school is like it's like saying to them and and my job as a teacher uh, my sort of day job as a teacher is to be able to say to the children it doesn't really matter what you're doing <laughs> that's my uh, biggest son <laughs> um it doesn't really matter what you're doing, even if you get it wrong, it's okay, because we want to develop that growth mindset, we want to be comfortable enough in ourselves, so that somebody can say to us, be it friend, family, teacher, riding coach, uh, whoever it is, one of our support team um and partly this is mental health actually as well is that it's okay to get it wrong it's okay to feel rubbish about something it's okay uh to be disappointed in what's happened it's okay to feel that you're that you're hopeless at something but what you need to do is to feel always to feel that there is a way forward a way forward out of everything I mean that's particularly important um, during the pandemic um, because I think a lot of people first of all have have been stuck on their own so they haven't had the social interaction that they would normally get um, as going to work whatever it is because they've been stuck in lockdown on their own so it's very easy to get into the downward spiral um, of thinking that you're hopeless and you can't do it, and you're on your own. So why would you think any different? Because um, nobody's there to tell you, to even give you a smile or to laugh at you when you get something wrong, or laugh with you, you know, and and buoy you up when things are, are really going badly. And I think that's been quite a challenge this year, particularly with my coaching. I've had a lot of people who've um, uh, rung me up or got in contact with me because things have really not been going well and they're stuck. They're, they're absolutely stuck at the bottom of the loop. They don't know where to go. Um, they feel like they can't ride because they've maybe had time off uh, because they haven't been able to ride. Maybe during lockdown they haven't been able to do anything, go to the yard because of lockdown or whatever. And then then they start to worry about Uh, possibly what other people are going to think, start to worry about whether their horse thinks they're not going to be able to ride properly. Um, And that sort of mental and emotional and psychological support is actually really important. Weak support, or at worst, I don't know what the negative of support is, but negative support, really having a go at somebody, criticism, um, it, it can be so damaging for years, really. And it takes a lot of people a lot of time to get out of that it takes one remark for somebody um, who's not in a great place when we come out of lockdown it takes one remark to put somebody completely off of of, uh going out and doing something that they've loved for years Um, and it can sometimes take months to get past that um and that's where i like to come in really
0: and so, so that's really great because that that beautifully just puts it into some clarification that there are two different types of support when we talk about support so there is the practical and then there is the kind of the emotional mental side of it and actually i love that because i think the years of horse riding we've all been focused on the practical stuff and definitely i've noticed i mean i've been doing this for eight years now um that there is now more of an understanding and an openness and an acceptance to actually realize that emotional and mental is just as just as important um and more of an openness to talk about it and you know the things that i am now putting out there and developing and, and you know Eden, the equine development and empowerment network that's important about this about there is practical stuff in there but it's not about how to keep horse, it's the practical of the emotional and mental yeah stuff. there's even the practical elements within the intangibles as well um so tell us some more then about um how how you see support really helping with performance um you know helping people really achieve what they want to achieve so we've looked at the two types and we've looked at how it can um be negative but what about how we can support each other and how we can actually nip some of these behaviors in the bud because they're very difficult when you feel they're happening to you or if you see it happening but you don't feel you can say anything or speak out, or when the person is in a position of power. So, you know, it's not just the people on yards, sometimes it's the people in charge of the yards, running the yards, coaches, and that as well, um, sort of behaviour going on. And sometimes it can be very hard to kind of feel like you can stick your head up and say something above the parapet because you're going to get shot down. And I'm really passionate about saying to people, do you know what, we've got each other. You can do that, you will be fine. We've got, this. it might mean you need to change coaches, move yards, do something different. It might mean that there will be some challenges and uncertainty coming forward, but you don't have to accept it and feel like it's your fault. What would you say in, in terms of, of that kind of the effect
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, it it is something that we it's very difficult to repair. That sort of damage is actually really quite difficult, Um, in part because somebody who is being, you know, let's really um, make sure that we we know what we're talking about. If we're talking about bullying of any level, it's very difficult for somebody who's been a a persistent victim of bullying um, to get out of that. And often, as you say, um, it involves actually physically removing yourself from the situation. Um, So and and particularly we see this with children at school. Um, If there is, in fairness, there is, um, uh, we deal with bullying um, all the time. Children need to learn that they can't bully in whatever form that it takes. and a uh, part of our role is to help them deal with it before it becomes really a traumatic experience for the victim and and those traumatic experiences are actually thankfully in a school situation or with young people relatively rare um uh, because teachers are trained to do that sort of thing now we don't have that framework very often at a yard I mean you you um, touched on it just now when you were talking about the sort of scenario of different you know your, the, the 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 situation if you like could be created by any one of a number of protagonists really um, you know yard managers a shouty coach whatever it is um, uh, and or just people who just don't get on and I think you um, know there is the best way to protect yourself from that sort of thing is not to become the sort of introverted um uh, kind of wallflower to kind of withdraw from the situation it's not to become um the really argumentative uh, person who retaliate retaliates or um in some horrible way you know we uh, the, the terrible thing of sort of the social media kind of putting up a post about how awful something was um it's not to do that it, it but it is to find a set of people, a team who will support you um, in a way that will help you develop your resilience. Because if we develop resilience, we also develop confidence and we, um, we also develop more knowledge because sometimes knowing something about somebody explains a massive amount about why they're doing Things, um, and if we can develop that resilience, we are then able to better able to cope with whatever gets thrown at us. Um, so I think that's really important. And that and those people who can help you support, uh, uh, develop that that support and develop that resilience, they could be anybody. They could be your coach. Uh, and that's why it's really important to find a coach that you really get on with. Um, and um, I'm really sanguine about the fact that um, not everybody would like to be coached by me. Um, they might think that I'm not as serious as I actually am because I'm always laughing and joking. And um, uh, But um, uh, that's an important thing it's often a good idea to have somebody who can come in from outside because somebody who comes in from outside often has a bit more clout if you like it's like they've been invited in on a professional level so whatever that is so whether it's somebody like you jenny or a coach who comes in from outside or uh, even down to the level of you could say well My coach says I ought to be doing this. It's quite a good line to say. If somebody says, "Well, why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that," and you just quietly say, "Well, actually, I'm trying this because my coach said it would be a good idea if I tried that." Or, you know, Jenny said I ought to be trying this, Um, and I'd be grateful if you could just, you know, support me while I give this a go and see if it works or whatever it is. Um, uh, So I think that's quite important, building somebody uh, from outside. But we also have to. We need our friends, we do need our friends. We need our friends, um, and it's quite a difficult balancing act, this, because often, particularly on horse yards, we all know what it's like. We go down to the yard. I mean, I managed to muck out my horses this morning in record time because I knew I was coming on alive. But generally speaking, do you know what? I get there after work and I think oh, I'll be I'll be here for 40 minutes. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it kind of morphs into two hours because I'm gossiping with somebody um, uh, chatting about whatever's happened that day. Um, And I think it's quite difficult because often we do have groups of friends which can be can be perceived as cliques and and uh, people get very threatened by that, Um, especially if as we have in the horse world, we have quite a lot of big personalities. Often horsey people are quite um, loud, Uh, and they're also they're quite they like having a good time Um, and so if you're in a team and you've got your friends around you and you are having a good time it can that can feel really crippling for somebody who isn't having a great time and I think we need to be mindful that we need to look after everybody sounds a bit like I'm teaching my year 10s again uh in a pastoral lesson um but actually we do need to be really mindful that we need to include. We need to just check, we're not necessarily include, some people don't want to be included, but they'd like to not be excluded. So um, it's always worthwhile just checking in on them, check if they're okay. Um, if they're sort of fussing about something or the horse they've got on, put one foot in the stirrup and the horse has pinged off away from the mounting block. You know, are you okay? Would you like me to come with you? Sometimes if they're really struggling, um, uh, it can be as simple as offering to just walk down and be in the arena with them um, so that they feel that they've got somebody there, kind of like a health and safety representative, but it's um, it's emotional and psychological health and safety support as much as, you know, well, don't worry, I'll mop up the blood if you fall off. <laughs> um, uh, and so that's that I think is really important. So friends, they don't have to be your best friends. Um, and I think but I think we need to be really careful about how we try and include. And I think the other thing is, um, and we talked about a little bit about this before the show, is, is that there need to be rules, actually, on yards. Um, uh, and because if you have rules, uh, it's very easy to work within a framework framework actually if you know which side of the line you're stepping on it's much easier to deal with that I think if you don't have rules or shall we say rules are developing as time progresses and people don't really know what they are it can become quite difficult Um, because basically people just don't know where they are so they don't know whether they're getting wrong you get half the people who are really concerned about getting it wrong and have a real conscience about it but in a terrible state most of the time because they don't know whether they've broken the rules and then you get the other half of the people who are who are really becoming really quite angry because they feel like they're being blamed for everything um and you know they don't care whether they break the rules or not or whatever they are um and and people start to become quite unreasonable um because they feel like they've got their back against back against the wall if you have a set of rules and this is how we're going to behave and actually nowadays i i wonder if it would be a good idea if when you pin up a set of yard rules um it should also include uh things that we possibly haven't done until now um so things like uh you know um we should be taking care to avoid bullying at all costs um, and there are plenty of really good um uh, programs uh that uh, you can use the hashtag for or bring into not on your your not on my yard is a really good one um uh black Hill eventing uh has a really good one where they're buddying up uh Jake Tarrant has a marvelous one buddy don't bully um all those sorts of things I wonder if those sorts of things should be something that we also put on the bottom of our yard rules, just to remind people that it's not always about putting the mucking out tools away in the right place and um, keeping everybody physically safe. But it's also about providing a really good space for everybody to be able to enjoy um, their horses and each other's company, actually.
0: Yeah. And I think you're entirely right. That is so true that if we think about most yards i think it's changed slightly now but most yards yard managers yard owners have developed a love for horses been around horses worked with horses maybe been grooms maybe been riders they have not ever been taught leadership or management skills and then suddenly they're trying to manage a group of people that involves two different types of people, because you've got the client customer relationship of the people with the horses that are looking after them and paying for them to be looked after or paying for the facilities or whatever. And then you've got the staff element of it as well. And we all know how difficult it is to manage staff, even without those kind of environments. I mean, God, the stuff I saw in the corporate world. And the interesting thing is that a lot of this stuff also does go on in the corporate world. I think it's just because they're pulling together to hit a common aim, which is the shareholders, you know, for them to be happy, to be profitable, to actually achieve things, they have to work through these differences. But actually, on yards, there is not one common goal. There is not one common goal, apart from, ultimately, yes, the care of the horse. But actually, one person behaving one way, one person behaving another, if that's not affecting the care of the horse, the, the common goal of harmony, or the common goal of fun, or friendship, or anything like that, it's not inherently there and to expect these people who have never had these kind of roles never run businesses or maybe they have but you know it's very difficult and i have to say the the yards that i have been the happiest on and personally the way that i like them to be is the yards where actually the person running it has had some kind of leadership experience at some point in time, whether that be corporate, whether that be um, you know even sport team type things, like say yourself rowing or something like that, where yeah. they had to pull together with a common goal. Because they really understand that actually they lead from the front. And, and their behavior affects it as well, because it's all very well putting yard rules up. But if the person at the front is exhibiting the wrong behaviors that they're the ones doing the bitching the backstabbing the gossiping the you know the, the talking about each other the, the the being between the two groups because that they are they are between the two it's a rock and a hard place It's not an easy job by God i would never want to match you oh, thank you very much mm-hmm. um, is um, the fact that if they are not showing those behaviors you know leadership breeds culture we know this in the corporate world in the executives and you know they get this training. These guys don't. And they are just trying to do their best in a very difficult environment that, quite frankly, is mostly women, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I think I I think your um, your point about what in the teaching world we call modelling. So modelling behaviour standards um and moderate modeling that sort of actually we all have a duty to the pastoral care of others whether or not we like them whether or not we spend a huge amount of time with them we all have a duty to the pastoral care of others to to make sure that we leave that person in a better place than we met them in um and i think we've lost that a bit um and i think uh i really do i think you gosh you've re- absolutely hit the, the nail on the head And I think the other thing is is that it must be incredibly difficult on a yard um, where maybe you've got a yard manager who is trying to manage um, people who've got different horse goals. I mean, the guy who wants to go out and just hack about, you know, and make sure his horse is still alive when he gets there in the morning, you know, is a world away from the person who wants to go out and do Grand Prix dressage and doesn't want their horse to be turned out because they're worried that they're going to get injured, but wants the horse to be, you know, really looked after. Um, It's only, it takes more time. How do you balance that? I mean, it's extraordinarily difficult and you have to balance the people. And I think, I once went to a yard where somebody, uh, the yard owner it essentially interviewed people who were going to come to the yard. And I thought that was really fascinating. Um, and actually the yard worked very well. We moved away in the end because we moved out of the area. Um, but it it ticked over very nicely because they had a really good um, understanding of, of what their owners, we're going to be doing. And also, it really helped with just the basic mechanics, the practicalities of roughly how much time do we think they're going to be using the arenas yeah, when definitely. somebody else can
0: Absolutely, <laughs> And, and I've, I've had that same experience myself. And actually, it was a very positive one, which is that when you go to look at the yard, um, although you think that you're looking around to see the facilities, you're looking around to see if it worked for you and your horse, you're not. They are assessing whether you as a person will fit within that yard because it's so easy to have someone that doesn't fit within that yard. And and the, the rotten apple syndrome, it spreads very fast. The rotten fruit spreads quickly through the bowl and, and having to quickly remove that is not always a nice thing, but sometimes a necessary thing to do. So if you can, if you can prevent that in the first place as much as you possibly can, great. And, and I've had that same experience. And in fact, on that particular yard that I was on, um it worked very well because you know the yard manager i don't envy her role she said you always have please come to me with problems not each other because it stops the mini 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 going on in the yard. and especially if you then go to the staff and whinge about stuff who feel well i'm just trying to do a job blah 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 you know what's going on and all these things if if you if you all go to the yard manager as much as it means that you don't know what's going on some of the times and that's very difficult for a lot of people at least there's a common point where and they they were very professional actually as a, a they didn't bitch about other liveries to other liveries or to staff or anything like that there was none of that and actually that meant that although unfortunately the reason many of us left in the end of that particular yard was because the the facilities themselves needed managing differently so weirdly enough we left because the care of the horse wasn't right but what they yeah. did have was the care of the human and it's like oh, yeah. god, where are we going to find a yard where it works both ways you know i've been on other yards where the care of the horse is impeccable but the the human and the and the and the um the emotional support isn't there and it's like oh god you know how do you find find these two and and i completely agree with you that actually there are Things that can be done that perhaps, perhaps we just need to train people in this stuff. Perhaps we need to bring some of this stuff that you are talking about in schools, which makes perfect sense. That we are using in executive coaching and in executive leadership, and, and take it out into these people and say to them, look, there's nothing. It's not that you're doing it wrong. It's just that you could do it better if you had these skill sets. And and maybe it needs to be included in the curriculum when we're looking at, you know, what yard owners, yard managers, yard pit, anyone running these teams, leadership. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, it would be absolute to me. Um, I mean, I, you know, obviously I've got a PGCE and a degree and, I, and I've been teaching for all these years and I've done quite a lot of pastoral specialisms and, and a lot of coaching um, for both rowing uh, and riding and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yet I still couldn't do my British Horse Society stages because I can no longer ride. So I don't need to do stable management, to be honest. That's not what I'm coaching. <laughs> but I, I mean, we do. I do the obvious, but um, uh, you know, that's not what my clients want me to do. They want me to watch them riding. Um, and at the same time, where is for somebody who would like to go into doing uh, a horse management role, managing a yard, whatever? Where is that leadership training? It'd be amazing, absolutely amazing, if somebody could produce a course an accessible course that people could do. You know, maybe to deal with, I'm sure they do on some of the NQ, NVQ or the vocational courses. I'm sure they do some of the sort of bookkeeping aspects of it, um, but maybe we should be doing, if you're doing looking at doing some sort of equestrian management, um, then we should be talking not just about accounting and actually managing the husbandry of the horses, but also managing people um, and, you know, being a leader. That would be amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I it I mean, I know the, the, the knowledge that I've got of some of the courses that the people go on, there definitely is elements of business in itself, in that respect. There there probably is a module here and there about leadership, maybe. But there, but what there isn't, is, and, and also they tend to be for the, the younger people that are in college or uni or something like that at the beginning of their career. But what there doesn't seem to be available easily and excessively available at the moment is for people further down the line that have now found themselves in leadership roles who are now struggling to, to be able to do that uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, I mean, I know, I know people that have um, taken on a yard for them and their horses and then obviously wanted to share it and what have you. Um, but they've found themselves in a yard manager role. And actually yeah. they, they just they just rented the yard like that's not really where they ended up being but they, they've now got to look after these people that they weren't expecting and i've seen this happen lots and lots actually uh, and, and in fact at one point it was the same for me but um you know so so actually saying there's something here for you when you're at that point because we never stop learning and and well and to be fair this is the same in corporate. i remember having this same conversation because of course i was in talent management And we had leadership development programs and then we had what we called individual contributor programs and they were for the techie guys and girls but they were for the 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 experts in their yeah rather than the leaders of people and often they would be really good at the job and get promoted into a leadership role just because of the way that it worked and then the set of skills that they'd need to be using were totally different totally different to what actually they're really good at which was in i was in technology i was in tech so you know that was programming or research and development or you know understanding yeah. um testing or things like that and then suddenly they've got to manage people and they're like whoa <laughs> that's, that's a whole but what we had available for them was leadership training for them because yes. we that. and i feel yeah. that that's a bit
1: i think i mean i think that would be amazing i think it would be much more comfortable for a lot of people on yards as well to feel that that that, that, that i think the expectation that it would create was that um you know, people uh, expected um, the yard to be managed in a in a sort of people-focused manner as well as a horse-focused manner, I think that would be amazing because I think it, that would be a, 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 the potential to stop that, the sort of cliqueiness or the bitching or whatever it is, simply because you were running the yard in that sort of way, I think would be amazing. Um, I think your friend who had all the... Uh, people only reporting to the yard manager. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think that really helped. I think a lot of people are trying. You know, they're, gosh, they're just trying to turn up, and it's December, and we've barely got about five minutes of daylight, and even then, it's pouring with rain, and you're struggling getting three horses in across a road in the pouring rain, and just as you've clipped the first lead rope on, the somebody says, "Oh, could you move your car?" <laughs> And you're just like, oh God, I haven't got time to deal with this. Um, uh, And I think that's you know where if you have a really good set of practical rules, but I think also that um, you can be really supportive to each other um, if you knew that that's what the framework was going to be like. God, I think that was a brilliant idea. If we've done nothing else, Jenny, this morning, we've come up with a fab idea.
0: i say the I'm going to be involved. Sorry. <laughs> it's coming and you're a part of it now. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and so if we come back full circle to where we started, though, which is the fact that there's, there's two elements of support. There's the practical and there's the emotional. How, how does that affect performance? And we're not talking about elite athlete performance, uh, you know, today. Yes, we know it does. Obviously, it's really important. But that stuff's addressed. To a degree yeah. at that level. how does it affect yeah. performance to you know you're unaffiliated or you're you're affiliated what i call the professional amateurs the guys who are amateur riders but do it in a professional manner i.e do it to the best that they, they possibly can they invest in everything they possibly can they do the very best they can they're learning they're growing they're developing they're training they're going for it but it's not their profession
1: yeah i mean there, there's no two ways about it um that there are two things that I think that um, it vastly improve performance. I mean, there's just without question. So setting aside the getting the right saddle, doing the right training program, you know, increasing, improving your skill level, your technique level, practicing, and, and there's no shortcut to practicing actually. But I think at the other thing that the psychological um, support. I mean, I think it is. It's um, it's confidence, not arrogance. It's mindfulness. It's knowing how you are going to react in a situation, and being okay with that. Um, uh, So, and that comes from having the support from somebody saying to you, "It's okay to feel really nervous." When you leave that start box, you are literally going to feel like you cannot move your legs and arms. Um, and you're going to be okay with that. You're going to be fine. That's what your body does. And you're going to feel nervous and you're going to feel possibly absolutely terrified and you're going to feel tired. And some people even can't even see properly. And uh, and then as soon as you get going down that course, you'll be okay. To allow people to be able to feel whatever they're feeling and support them to deal with those feelings, I think is incredibly important in improving performance. But I also think there's another thing um, where it's really important, and that's this mindfulness business. And that is, so we're not just talking about being able to deal with the feelings of confidence and nervousness and excitement and determination. And uh, let's just say, um also negatively but being able to deal with being aggressive or angry if you don't perform well or whatever all those other things are I think the other thing that I would would talk about and this is is incredibly important it's about 70 percent of the psychological um the sort of mental well-being thing is this mindfulness it's being confident enough and comfortable enough in your own self that you can allow that horse to speak to you in the way that they can. And we all know they can't speak. And you need to be quiet in your mind. And you need to be confident enough that what you're doing yourself is not going to be uh, causing them to do something that's unhelpful. So you need to be able to get on your horse in the morning and be able to say, "Ah, right, it's not a good day. I was going to do dressage flat work practice this morning, but actually he's not in a good place. Uh, We're going to do something else. We're going to go for a little womble around the farm or whatever it is. Um, Or actually, he's really up for it. Um, I'll try not to contain all this energy um, in a sort of really, you know, kind of confined mental space by making him do that really difficult dressage we're just going to have a blast around the cross-country field or whatever it is Um, and I think that um, a lot of my coaching is designed to allow people because I can see what they're doing and I can see how the horse is moving but it's designed to allow people to start to feel how the horse is going for themselves Um, and so they can spot what may or may not be going wrong, spot when the horse is tense, spot when it's relaxed, spot when it's working properly, uh, and uh, and they can progress. So I think that's two really good things. There's the performance psychology, you know, going to go out and do it and nail it, and I'm, you know, I'm going to deal with all these bizarre feelings on the way. But also, there's that quiet, confident mindfulness that allows you to develop a really good, uh, relationship with your horse so yeah
0: beautiful awesome and two key pillars of what i work with oh. <laughs> I was very surprised when i start talking about mindfulness and i've got mindfulness recordings in eden as part of the online learning and all these things and people start going oh you know but find it really difficult to find it to find it really difficult to be mindful now, i find it really difficult to start my mind braces when it's like yes that's why you need to do it because if yeah. you can get into that place of listening to your horse and being in flow when you're on your horse that will help you to perform better um and i completely 100 percent agree with you um that yeah it's there's there's so many so many pillars to this and um there are so many things that do affect performance um that if you have changed lots of things and you're still finding there's something else and it's probably a mindset thing most of the yeah,
1: time yeah absolutely absolutely and i have people who come to me and who say um well i haven't ridden for ages and uh, i'm terrified about getting back on and i just don't know what he's going to do and i'm like well okay that's fine we'll start in the stable
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly it and i think that's that's the i mean this is a whole nother life in itself but this that's the skill of the coach and, and the coach being flexible and it's not about ego and it's not about proving things it's about working with what you've got at that point in time and, and also i love you know i love the fact that you said um it's good you're going to feel nervous i mean i say this to people i say you're going to feel nervous you're never actually in control of a horse and they're like what how can you say that to me i, I want to feel those things it's like well because it's it's the case do you know like my magic one's broken i cannot stop feeling <laughs> nervous and anxious and, and anxious yeah. because you're a human it's gonna happen but what you need to do is listen into it which is another yeah. lie again
1: yeah
0: so, thank thing. you so much i feel like that's a point that we can Finish beautifully at before we open up another entire topic.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go on for hours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing some brilliant gems from, uh, I love talking to people that have got their um, feet in different pies is not the phrase. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've mixed it together. You know, they're, 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 they're in different areas. So it's not all about one thing, one place, one, Vision. they've got those different perspectives because we can bring in great learning from other elements of life um, and, and share them and, and, and work brilliantly to, to create something that helps, helps everyone. So thank you so much for sharing it all. If people mm-hmm. want to get hold of you, if they think, oh, I need to know more from her, I want to understand more, or they want to maybe work with you, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, well, the quickest way is to hop onto the Stable Manager page on Facebook. Uh, it's got my phone number on and email address, but actually I have my phone with me all the time. So unless I'm actually coaching or writing, I can usually <laughs> I can usually manage to um reply to a message. Um so yeah,
0: that's the best way. Have a look and see what we do. Super. Thank yeah. you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I do think we could discuss things for hours. We Definitely. may have you back on for another one at some point in <laughs> next year. <laughs> Lovely. Um, thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure, and hopefully see you soon. Thank you, and happy Christmas. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google, and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast, so please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone.